Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. Straight up to a claw. On this Tuesday afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns, alongside the one, the only, Sean Gambadoro. Hi, Gambo! Burnsy, what's going on? Oh, when I say alongside... Alongside, I'm here. Well, you're actually here. I'm actually I'm alongside here. you. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to the last few days where you were kind of alongside, you were at home. Yeah, I just, you know, I, I, I got... I hadn't been sick all year, literally all year, so I finally got a cold, like a rough one, and... Uh, Kept me at home for a few days. I'm still not doing great, but I decided to come in today. Ah, you're I'm back. going to come in today. Dilly dilly. dilly, dilly. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> uh, that one never gets old for some reason. I don't know why. Willis, I mean, Willis Reed died today. You know what? I was gonna... like in New York. Like that's like like that's legend because the Knicks have you know. They haven't won a championship since the early 70s since when him, Willis right? Reed, you know, Willis Reed was on that team. You had, uh, you know, and I don't remember that team very well, but, you know, there was Earl, Earl the Pearl Monroe and Walt Clyde Frazier and Dave DeBusher. And, and, and a lot of people may know that Phil Jackson, the legendary coach, was on that those Knicks teams. But Willis Reed was there, the Hall of Fame center who came on, you know, who got hurt, but then, you know, came out of the tunnel for game seven and inspired them to beat the Lakers. Yeah, passed away today at the age of 80. He was a true Knicks legend. Yeah, when it's funny that he was a Knicks legend, but you know, like, how Tommy John is now used to describe, like, a surgery and a surgical procedure. Are they going to Willis and Reed it? Well, yeah, and Willis yeah. Reed has achieved, like, the same status in sports. Like, when a guy comes out when you think he's done for the for the day or done for the game or done for the series, and he comes out and he limps back onto the field, you hear w- Willis Reed. He's yeah. Willis reading yeah. it, right? Like, he his name is so synonymous with the thing that he did, much like Tommy John, that he's outlived his own career, right? In terms of his name. I mean, that's just a name that has outlived what he did as a player because you just think about it in terms of when somebody does something similar to him. It's yeah, very it's, impressive. You know, and, and I was, I don't remember it at all. I was like four years old when, you know, he was the you know MVP in 70 and they won the they, they won that championship and they were facing Will Chamberlain in the Lakers game seven NBA finals, Madison Square Garden. And, but, you know, you grow up like, you grow up knowing it, like, it, like, it's like a lot of kids that you know were four or five years old when the Diamondbacks won the World Series. You know all about Kurt Schilling and Randy Johnson, co-MVPs, and Luis Gonzalez's big hit. You just do. You kind of grow up with just knowing that that happened. Yeah. So uh, our condolences, obviously, rest in peace, Willis Reed. I knew you'd want to start the show with that uh, because that'd be a big deal for you as a New Yorker. Let's weigh in with what is our top story of the day here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, the weigh-in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. Had a feeling that today was going to be DeAndre Hopkins' day. Today so far has not been DeAndre Hopkins' day. It has not happened yet today. Maybe it does at some point before we get off the air. I don't know. I'm not predicting whether he's going to get traded or not. There was just a there was a very random tweet from Ian Rappaport that just you, you read it and you kind of thought, hmm, is today going to be the day? Ian Rappaport tweeting out. 
that, quote, as the status of Cardinals star wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins comes into focus, talks are ramping up among the interested teams. Similar to Brandon Cooks, a trade would likely mean an altered contract, close quote. Yeah, I think we expect that. I, I think what a lot of people are seeing now is Damian Woody called for Bill Belichick to, cha- uh, Bill Belichick to trade for DeAndre Hopkins on, on the ESPN show. I got it right here. He does. Play yeah, play the cut. Play the cut. I think the Patriots need some real juice offensively because they don't have anyone over there that really scares you, particularly on the outside. Get a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, who's obviously he's not he's he's never been a speed burner, but he's about as reliable as you can get at, at the receiver position. That's what the Patriots need, especially with with Mac Jones coming off that down year. Get him somebody reliable on the outside. Now, look, maybe it was just a slow news cycle in the NFL, and so what do we talk about? Let's talk about DeAndre Hopkins, and maybe that's the reason why there's a conversation, or maybe some of the stuff is being put out there to stir up the marketplace a little bit. Either way, there was an awful lot lot of talk about DeAndre Hopkins this morning and today, which kind of led some insiders around the business to wonder if today was the day he was going to get moved. So far, 2.05 yeah. in the afternoon, we got nothing. Chiefs defensive end Charles Amenahue, who uh, played with him, he's recruiting him on social media at DeAndre Hopkins. Come on, fam, we waiting on you slash Chiefs kingdom. So he was a teammate with the with him with the Houston Texans, and now he took to Twitter to say, hey, let's let's get him here. So it seems like you're seeing a little bit of courting going on. And then there's always the the stories, eight teams that might trade for DeAndre Hopkins. According to reports, the market is heating up. Where could he land? And they mentioned the Bears and the Falcons and the Patriots and the Ravens, the Vikings, the Browns, the Bills. And believe it or not, at the end of the list, they mentioned the Texans. Could Hopkins go back to where it all started? So that's the uh, that's all the uh, mentions. So I think that's kind of why people started to speculate that today could be something because, you know, it's on ESPN and you've seen on social media and then there's stories about where he's going to go. And it still is. I mean, it's it's one of the biggest names that could be traded, if not the biggest, if not for Lamar Jackson. So there is always going to be talk about whether DeAndre Hopkins is going to get moved or not. Yeah, it's, it's fun. I didn't read it in depth, but there was a story this morning, <clears throat> excuse me, on The Ringer about teams and using trades as the mechanism to improve their rosters more so than say using free agency to improve their rosters. You look like Russell Wilson a year ago, you look at Aaron Rodgers, we presume he's going to get traded. DeAndre Hopkins, things like that. Those teams are interesting. All of them are. I I do wonder and I'm going to go back to what we started with here and I'm going to go back to Ian Rappaport's tweet that kind of started this whole thing this morning at 7 o'clock. He writes, similar to Brandon Cooks, a trade would likely mean an altered contract. And I keep thinking about Brandon Cooks and his deal where he got traded to the Dallas Cowboys where the Texans basically are going to pay $6 million of it and the Dallas Cowboys are going to pay $12 million of it, right? Yes. And I can't help but to think something like that is in the works here too. That, that it's not just draft pick compensation. It's not just, are you going to get a second? Are you going to get a third? Are you going to get a this? Are you going to get a that? That it's kind of on hop to make his contract a little more digestible for the team that's going to take him on, right? Like, I mean, we don't want to pay you $19 million. We don't want to pay you $20 million. We can't have you having a cap hit of $31 million. We like you, but we don't like you that much. I wonder how much of that is going on behind the scenes with this and how much of that is the reason why nothing has happened yet so far. I mean, it could be. I mean, it has to include an altered contract is what everybody's saying. I would imagine that that's the case. It, 
Does that mean an extension? Uh, you know, Cooks restructured his deal, created cap space for the Cowboys. The Chiefs, because they just lost Juju Smith-Schuster, are very mentioned. You know, mentioned they've still got some cap space available uh, that they have. So the Chiefs are a team that you know that would be interesting if he goes to the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Because they got off a of Tyree Kill, and if they added, a, you know, and they they won the Super Bowl without a true superstar wide receiver. If you don't count Travis Kelsey, um, would they go out there and get DeAndre Hopkins? Because man, that would be a two, you know, what a, what a combination that would be, right? Hopkins and Travis Kelsey. Oh, no wow. doubt about it. Well, even that, I mean, you, yeah, you saw it because you sent me an email of it. Des Bryant's tweet. I yes. wouldn't be surprised if Odell or D Hop go to the Chiefs. I wouldn't be surprised if both guys go to the Chiefs. Can you imagine Odell Beckham Jr. and DeAndre Hopkins and Travis Kelsey on the Kansas City Chiefs? Everybody would just pencil them right into the Super Bowl again if that were the case. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating because they proved that they could win last year without a true, truly great wide receiver. They went out and got Marcus Valdez-Scantling and they got Juju Smith-Schuster and they still had Kelsey and they won. Yeah. I mean, their running back was uh, Pacheco who was an undrafted, wasn't he undrafted? Seventh or rounder. Seventh round pick. Seventh rounder. Yeah. Seventh round pick. So, it, it, a lot of it is how great is your quarterback because he can make a lot of other people better. But man, if you have that truly great great wide receiver, you know, you, you would just imagine that, that he alone is going to make all the wide receivers better. Well, and it, and it could be just like this moving target in terms of their strategy in Kansas City. They lost Orlando Brown. They lost Frank Clark. So it might be, okay, we lost those guys. How do we counter that? Let's double down with the skill players. I don't know. The, the thing I can't get out of my mind is, is you know how in baseball, like if you want to get a better prospect back from a team that you're trading a player to, you have to eat more of the contracts? Yes, of course. I wonder if something similar is in play 100%. Here. You know, with with the if Cardinals you eat more, and we'll give you more. Exactly. How much are you willing to eat yeah. as a reflection of how much are you willing to get back? Because if you're not willing to do what the Texans did and eat six million dollars of that, then we're only going to give you a whatever. But if you're willing to eat more of the Andre Hopkins contract, you'll get more. We're willing to give you more in exchange. I can't help but to think something like that. I, might be I, in play here. I would almost guarantee it that it has to be something like that because of the size of the contract and what Arizona may want back. If you truly want a second rounder back, then you've got to eat some. Of the contract. If not, then you're going to get you're going to get less. You would think. You would think this was uh, Michael Lombardi yesterday on the GM Shuffle talking about why it's so hard to trade for DeAndre Hopkins. This is the podcast. There's things that you got to deal with. He wants a new contract. Mm-hmm. You know, so you want to pay him more money. He's never really open, but he catches everything that's thrown to him. How? What, what kind of teammate is he? How does the locker room adapt? All those things to me make it very difficult for Monty to trade him. And Monty could trade him, but that's step A. Step B is how do you deal with the contract? All right, we wait and we see. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, take a look at the Suns' schedule going forward, and you will see there are challenges. Lots and lots of challenges. That's next on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Back here with you on the Burns and Gambo Show, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader on this Tuesday afternoon, Phoenix Suns. They've got the night off tonight. They're back at it tomorrow against the L.A. Lakers. 
as part of the remaining schedule for the Phoenix Suns that is certainly just at first glance one of the toughest left in the NBA. Phoenix has, in fact, the toughest remaining schedule of the top 10 teams in the Western Conference going into last night's action in the NBA. That, according to Tankathon.com, only Philadelphia, Utah, and San Antonio have a tougher remaining schedule than the Suns do out of all 30 NBA teams. You could make an argument Utah's kind of still in it. San Antonio's not. Philadelphia, of course, is in the Eastern Conference. It is a severe disadvantage for the Suns as they close out the schedule. There's no debating that. Yeah, and you got to take on Philadelphia with Joel Embiid on a run that we just haven't seen very much in this century. Ten straight games of at least 30 points on 50% shooting when they take on Philly. I mean, this is an incredible stretch uh, that he's had. It's, and I even read this stat on him over the, this 10-game span. He's averaging 36.2 points, shooting 61.3%. And per CBS Research, only four of the players in history have averaged at least 35 points on at least 60% shooting over any 10-game span. The last guy to do it was Kevin Durant. Yeah. So, and then it was Shaq, Michael Jordan, Carl Malone. So, you got some, you got tough games coming up here, and you've got teams that have a lot to play for. So, this is no easy task holding on to the four seed. They're definitely not moving up. I mean, we wrote that off of, you know, a few days ago. The question is, can they hold on to four? Will they slip to five? Will they slip to six? You know, where are they going to be when this is all over? I'm not sure that it matters very much. Like I said, as long as Durant's able to come back and come back healthy. But it would have been nice to have some, 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 you know, with Durant to test yourself against these teams to see where you're at before the playoffs start. They're not going to get that option. Yeah. There's, the, look, I mean, we, neither one of us, and we talked a lot about this yesterday. Neither one of us are getting really panicky about the way that they're playing not at right all. now. I mean, it's, it's, it's a waste of energy. I mean, are there things that we don't like about what they're playing right now, how they're playing right now? Of course. But to sit here and think that we're getting panicky over how things are going, I think would be a, just a gross misrepresentation. That's not what we what we worry about are two things. One, exactly what you just said a second ago. Is there going to be enough time to see what you've got with Kevin Durant before you're just thrown right into the fire? I, I think that's number one. And then number two is not so much playoff positioning per se. It really is that seventh seed. And, and do you fall close enough to that where you've got to worry about a series of one-game play-in games to get in to the playoffs. And I don't think there's any doubt the Suns can win both of those play-in games to get into the playoffs, but think about what happens. One, you expose yourself to the risk of having your season end very, very early because you lose back-to-back one-game scenarios. And two, you lose out on the rest that comes with that, right? I mean, you're yeah. you're a top six seed. You basically have a built-in three- to four-day window where you can take a little time off and rest and recover. You're in the play-in tournament. You lose that. That's what I'm concerned about that and just the lack of time that Kevin Durant and his teammates are going to spend together going into the postseason makes this whole thing a little dicey. But who they play in the first round yeah. is not if Kevin Durant is back and healthy, I'll take my chances against anybody, anywhere, anytime in the West. I just don't want to expose them to that one game and now you're playing for your playoff lives and then one game and now maybe you're in, maybe you're out. I don't want to do that if you're the Phoenix Suns. I don't want to mess with that at all. Look, I don't want to 
say that it's that the window is just this year. Kevin Durant is on the contract for a number of years. You still could bring back Chris Paul next year. Book is in his prime. Aiton's in his prime. And you could add, you know, you could figure out other pieces. So, uh, you know, if it doesn't happen this year, that doesn't mean that you're not, you know, you're out of it next year. You, you, you do extend your two, be, you know, two of your three best players get extended age-wise by another year. I'm sure that's a factor uh, in, all, in all of this. And they're definitely handcuffed money-wise with things that they could do. But it's not like Kevin Durant's on a one-year, this is the final year of his contract. I mean, they still have Kevin Durant for a number of years after this season. Yeah, and look, we've the comp that I just can't get out of my head. Now, I don't know if Kevin Durant's health, to your point, I don't know if Kevin Durant's health is going to cooperate. I don't know if Chris Paul's age is going to cooperate. But the comp I can't get out of my head is, actually, there's two. It's the Kurt Schilling comp. They traded for him in the middle of the 2000 yeah. season. The Diamondbacks was did. the manager. They fired him after the season was over. Didn't win a championship until the next year. Pal Gasol, if memory serves, remember I've told you many times, I thought that was the day seven seconds or less died, was the day Pal Gasol was traded to the LA Lakers. They didn't win a championship that first year. It wasn't, it wasn't ready. It wasn't fully cooked. They won the next two after that. They dominated after that, but they weren't quite ready to win it all in that moment. And if you get to the end of this and the Suns don't win a championship, yeah, that'll be a failure and we can have all the championship or bust conversation that we're bound to have. But the window is still there to win it with Kevin Durant for the next year after that, maybe even the year after that, depending on how he ages, how healthy he stays, how productive he is. I think he'll still be great. It's just a question of availability with KD. It's always a question of availability with Kevin Durant. Yeah, I said several times, I think the only weakness to Kevin Durant's game is health. Right? That's the only weakness. And when I talk about Sacramento, I think their strength this year has been health. They've been relatively healthy. The Suns are an organization that missed the playoffs for 10 straight years. They had seven straight losing seasons, had that remarkable turnaround, you know, when they went 51-21, and 21, made it to the NBA Finals, lost to the Bucs. Last year, they won 64 games. Then they had that meltdown against Dallas, got blown out in 6-7. and seven. And, you know, and Durant you know, because of the success, the Suns were high on the list because of Devin Booker and Chris Paul and Durant wanted to come to Phoenix. Well, he's here now, you know, and uh, we, you know, for, 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 for the good of the bad, this is the bed they made. This is the team that they're going to roll out there in the playoffs and try to win with. A lot of people still like that what they did, even though he's been he's hurt and he's missed time. And you're watching Mikael Bridges blow up and play so well with the Nets. Um, there's a lot of people that's still okay. This is this was still the best path to a championship. Now, me, I've, I didn't want to make the trade. It was close, but I, I leaned towards not making it. But most people will feel like this is still the best option. You know, Kevin Durant over. Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges and a bunch of draft picks who may not even play, that's your best chance to win a championship. So that doesn't mean they're going to win it. It just means that a lot of people felt that this was the best chance to win a championship. We started this conversation with the strength of schedule that's remaining. The Suns right now have the fifth toughest remaining strength of schedule. Denver is six. If you're just looking at Western Conference teams, Denver is six. Golden State is ninth. The Clippers are tenth. So there are, you know, if, if you're looking at two teams that you know the Suns might be competing with, if you're worried about them falling to six or seven or whatever, <laughs> Golden State and the Clippers are two teams that are kind of right in that wheelhouse. Golden State's got the ninth toughest schedule left. The Clippers have the tenth toughest schedule left. Sacramento has the sixteenth toughest schedule left. The Lakers are down at twenty third. Dallas is at twenty. Memphis is at 29. Now, the results from last night, let's give these out.
out real quick. Okay. Um, Kings lost to the Jazz last night, 128-120. Uh, that allowed Memphis to pull ahead in the Western Conference for the second seed because the Kings were able to beat Dallas last night, 112-108. to Jaron Jackson Jr. had 28 points. John Morant did not dress. He was on the bench, though. Uh, Memphis outscored Dallas 29-12 to in the fourth quarter. And the big blow for Dallas, not only was Kyrie 0 for 8 in the fourth quarter, he got hurt in that game, too, and now there's some question marks about yeah, Kyrie and his the, health. He left with a boot on his right foot, re-aggravated the soreness in his right big toe that's been bothering him for a couple of weeks. Um, so that could be an issue. We don't know for sure, uh, but they didn't have Luka. Jason Kidd said, we just couldn't score. Uh, we had great looks. Good opportunities, um, but they weren't able to score a whole lot. So, you know, now you got a lot of uncertainty with the Mavs. They're number seven. Uh, they've got to face Golden State Wednesday, tomorrow. Um, so that'll be a big game for them, you know, as far as, you know, trying to win and hold on to their seating. Doncic had hoped to play against Memphis. They ruled him out at the shoot-around yesterday. Um and now they're hoping that they can get him back, you know, maybe for the next game. So I think he's very close to coming back. Yeah, I've got to think that he is. The Warriors, for what it's worth, finally ended their 11-game road streak last night. They beat the Rockets 121-108. Yeah, Kirk couldn't remember the last time they won a road game. It was pretty funny. <laughs> and then when somebody when somebody told him when the last time was they won a road game, he's like, yeah, that doesn't make me feel any better. Uh, the thanks. <laughs> we needed it. That doesn't make me feel any better. Yeah. January 30th was the last time they won a road Crazy. game. Warriors are now sixth in the West after ending that 11-game road lose. Streak. Then one other outcome: Minnesota beat the Knicks last night, one forty to one thirty-four. Torian Prince season high thirty-five points in that game. So if you're looking at the West, here's your updated standings right now. It is Memphis. A game lead in the loss column over Sacramento. So Memphis 2, Sacramento 3. The Suns are five games back in the loss column from Sacramento. They're still at four. A game lead over the Clippers in the loss column for five. A three-game lead over the Golden State Warriors for six. So Golden's even with the Golden State win last night in the loss column, the Suns are still maintaining a three-game lead there. It's a two-game lead if you look at the standings. It's looking more and more like they're either going to be four or five. At this point, I would agree. But, I think it's, that's what it's looking like. But the schedule and how tough it is has me nervous about that. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, Mel Kuyper Jr., his latest muck dropped today, and he is sticking with the status quo when it comes to the Cardinals. Well, kind of. That's next, Burns and Gambo. The Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. All right, it's 2.31 in the afternoon. Really thought today, and I've said this a couple times now in the last week, I thought today was going to be DeAndre Hopkins' day. And then when I saw Ian Rappaport's tweet, I really thought it was going to be DeAndre Hopkins' day. And it's 2.31 in the afternoon. So far, it hasn't happened. Maybe it's not going to. I don't know. Did you it's have still a today. It's, it's still, still today. But it's still just... It's, it, this nah, is I'd say by now it's not going to happen. Uh, you know, it, it, we're waiting. <laughs> we'll see. We still have plenty of show left, but I don't know if it's going to happen. But... It's going to happen at some point. At least we think it's going to happen. And that's kind of the crux behind our Twitter poll question. Eric, what do you got? Right. The big old if in front of it. But if Arizona Cardinals wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins gets traded, when will it happen? Here are your four options. Option number one is within the week. Option number two is within the month. That's about two weeks. Option number three is it happens before the draft, mid to end of April. And 
after the draft. Those are your four options. Option four is just after the draft. Yeah. And, and if you don't think he's going to get traded, you're you supposed can, to reply, you're right? You're supposed to comment Drop down a reply. Yeah, no, I'm going to say within the week, because I think teams, you know, you need to know what you're going to do on the draft. Like, you know, if I'm not able to trade for Hopkins, then I need to trade for somebody else, or I need to readjust my board because I need to get a wide receiver. And so I think I would say within the week. So by the end of this week, you think he's traded? Sure. Okay. By the end of the month, I think he's traded. This is this has been a slower play than I thought it was going to be, and so I'm going to stick that this is going to be a slower play. I'll say by the end of March, he has moved. What's neither, your audience say? Neither of those options are in first, but leading the way at 41.3%. They think it happens by the draft, so it takes a little bit longer than this month, but it does happen before the draft. In second place, 31.7% say within the week. Only 17.1% say within the month. 9.9% say after the draft. Okay. Okay, that, that's the poll question. Thank you, Eric. You can find it on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page. One word on social media, at Burns and Gambo is where you can find it on Twitter. Well, today might not have been DeAndre Hopkins Day, but it certainly was mock draft day, as uh, we've got a whole bunch to talk about. We're going to talk about all the rest a little later on in the show, ones from Daniel Jeremiah and Pete Prisco and the 33rd Team website. And instead, we're going to focus on one that came out from the guy who kind of started the whole mock draft thing, and that's Mel Kuyper Jr., who released his... I've lost track. I don't know how many he's had so far. I think this is his third, but I'm not sure. Um... But Mel Kuyper Jr., draft expert from ESPN, is projecting a trade for the Arizona Cardinals in his latest mock. Here we go, Gambo. Here we go. Indy moving up from number four to number three so that they can take Will Levis. Not Richardson. Not Anthony Will Richardson. Levis. Will Levis, the quarterback out of Kentucky. Okay. And then the Cardinals sliding down to four and taking Will Anderson, the outside linebacker from Alabama. Yeah, he brings up the Mitchell Trubisky trade in 2017. The Bears moved up from number three to number two. Just one spot to make sure they got Mitchell Trubisky. is absolutely backfired because Trubisky was terrible. But Chicago gave up the third pick. They also gave up number 67, number 111, and then a third rounder the next year. So he's saying that's the comp for this move. I mean, you can get yourself um, move down one spot, pick up two-thirds, and a fourth or a fifth. It might have been a fifth um, in that trade. What was 111? So three, six, nine. Oh, that's a no, fourth. it's a fourth. That's, that's a, a fourth. fourth. So, yeah, so that's what he's looking at. He's looking at two-thirds, a fourth, to you is the extra inventory you would get to move up one spot. Listen, I said yesterday I'm all for it, but I am very much now a quality over quantity guy. I will move with Indianapolis if that's the case. I would be okay with that. I don't want to go any further down, not because um, of the extra picks, but just because of what you're passing up. You're passing up on a very good dominant pass rusher that everybody loves and raves about. I don't want to pass up on that kid. So if I can get him three or I can get him at four, I'll do it, but I'm not trading too far down where I can't get Will Anderson. I'm always, every time I see these mocks, I'm always fascinated by what they're projecting the Cardinals to receive, because we had that conversation a lot yesterday about, is Will Anderson the kind of player that's worth staying there for? And I know you strongly believe he is the kind of player worth either being at three or four for because of the, the whole quality over quantity thing. I'm st- I haven't committed yet, and I'm sorry if that pisses people off, but I, I have not committed yet to whether I think they should move down because I am intrigued by that big kind of, you know, Trey Lance kind of haul where you just get so many draft picks. It allows you to set yourself up
up for years to come if you do it right. It's kind of not knowing how good this new regime is at drafting, you know, and you kind of have to hope that they're better than the last regime no was idea. at drafting. We, we have just no don't idea. know. So if it's about what they get, skipping down to where to where uh, Mel Kuyper talks about the Cardinals taking Will Anderson at number four, he writes, this trade down likely would give Arizona the Colts second and third rounders at the very least. That's number 35 and number 79. Now, if you can trade down one spot, still get Will Anderson and get an extra second and a third round pick, I mean, there's absolutely... No reason to not do that. None. There's zero reason to. You, you would. You, you would still have, get Anderson. You still and get you Anderson. You get a bevy picks. Uh, picks. Yeah. Interesting that he's got the Colts moving up for Will Levis. I've got a Will Levis draft profile. It was okay. voiced by the new crew, Zach, Jarrett, or Jesse. Take your guess. Oh, I got it right yesterday, so I'm going to get first choice here. I'm going to go Jared Carlin. I think Jared Carlin voices I'm go Jared one. Carlin, yeah. I'm going to say Zach Larson. Will Levis, quarterback, Kentucky. After two seasons with Penn State, Levis made the decision to transfer to Kentucky and make it more than a basketball school as he won 17 of his 24 starts. Levis possesses the ideal quarterback stature, standing at six foot three inches and weighing just over 230 pounds and with a rocket for an arm, fitting passes into tight windows and launching dimes over tardy safeties. A glaring mark was his touchdown-interception ratio, falling below a two-to-one mark and some poor throws for not trusting his footwork, but his success with the Wildcats and his arm strength puts him among the top prospects in the draft. NFL comp, former Broncos, Bears, and Dolphins quarterback Jay Cutler. (laughs) Oh my God. You talk about the mark of death. Wow. I mean, ain't that Mediocr- mediocrity in the uh, in the dictionary is there's a picture of Jay Cutler. Oh, I mean, that man. is as mediocre as you can go. Get branded with a Jay Cutler comp when you're coming out of school. Oh, jeez. Wow. Right. <laughs> right. Hold on, Zach Larson. Yeah, Will Levis's agent is on line one. He would like you to cease and desist all comparisons to Jay Cutler. Please. Maybe yes, he should have just rephrased it to Vanderbilt Jay Cutler. Maybe, or- <laughs> maybe he should have. He was good at Vanderbilt. You know, it's interesting because I was looking at Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft today. Too, okay. Right? Yeah. And you We're going to talk through, about that one a little later. But I go know ahead. we are, yeah. but, okay. I know, but I'm not going to talk about the Cardinals part. And okay, so he's got Bryce Young, number one. He's got C.J. Stroud, number two. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. The next quarterback he has is Anthony Richardson at number four. The next quarterback he has is Will Levis. And I'm scrolling, and I'm scrolling, scrolling, and I'm scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Keep them doggies scrolling, scrolling, and he's got him at pick number nineteen to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yikes! He's got Will Levis falling to pick number nineteen. Yikes! Yeah. Oh, zippity do So duh, you want to really? see a, you want to see it, and, and what fascinated me about this is just the difference between two really good mock draft guys. Yes. Mel Kuyper Jr. has a team trading up to get Levis, and Jeremiah has in this guy has this guy falling out of the sky. And for what it's number nineteen. Yeah. For what it's worth, too. Uh, Kuyper also has Anthony Richardson, the quarterback for Florida, mm-hmm. going fifth. To the Seattle Seahawks, so he's got four quarterbacks in the first five. So picks. why does Jeremiah have Levis? Like that's like that's I'm fascinated by that. Yeah, I don't know. Why that's, does he have Will Levis falling so far? Like 
They're not even close. Pick number three and pick number 19 are not close. Does he say anything in the write-up as to why? if Levis starts to slide, I believe a team like Tampa would trade up to get him. In this scenario, he falls right into the Bucks' lap. he compete with Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask for the starting job. Doesn't say why he fell. But he's got him falling. Mm, interesting. Interesting. Look, um, it's the dream scenario for the Cardinals. I'm glad to see some of the national mockers are picking up on it. What, what we all need to have happen here is we need the Colts desperately to fall in love with one of those two guys and to be convinced that they have to go to three to get him. The, 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 the Indianapolis Colts have to fall in love with either Will Levis or Anthony Richardson, assuming Stroud and Bryce Young go one-two in some combination. The Colts have to fall in love with one of those other guys and be absolutely completely committed to getting him. That is what will drive them to call the Cardinals and for a deal like this to happen. If they like them both and they're willing to take either one of them, then the Cardinals are kind of screwed. I don't think they're going to be able to do it. That's the key. Yeah, I, everything and this is what, you know, Kuiper said about Anderson and and this is why, you know, over over the time over the weekend I kind of said this I don't want to go any I don't want to lose Anderson. You know, he says that, you know, this is a guy that could you could build your defense around. Versatile, productive, 130 pressures over the past two years, tools to develop into an all-pro. Man, you you can't find a bad thing said about Will Anderson. You can't find yeah. somebody said, you know what, this guy's not going to make it. This guy may not make it. He may be you're not finding that. I just don't think you could pass on a premier pass rusher if the, you're the Arizona Cardinals. You have to take the kid at three or trade down and take the kid at four, but I don't trade down any further than that. And to me, you'll look cheap if you do it anyway. You'll look like a cheap organization if you trade so far down and you miss out on a player like that. Texas, your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now when we come back is Bobby Hurley ready to bounce out of Tempe. Some of the experts are wondering that maybe his time here is coming to an end. We'll tell you about it next on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo afternoons on Arizona sports, the local sports leader. Back here on the Burns and Gambo Show, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. ASU men's basketball wrapped up their season with a first-round loss in the NCAA tournament, falling to TCU on Friday nights. And now the future of Bobby Hurley. We assumed, and we still do, that he's safe from the perspective of the university. After all, he got his team to the tournament, and they won the play-in game, and they were very competitive against TCU. But the one kind of wild card in every Bobby Hurley conversation was he himself and what he wanted to do and where he wanted to go. Tons of speculation today about Providence. Sure. Tons of Well, Ed Cooley left to go take the Georgetown job. So now the Providence athletic director is, you know, saying, look, we're going to we're going to hire a great coach. Said at the end of the day, this is a great school. I wish Ed and uh, Norris and their family all the best, but we're going to hire a great coach. The thing, you you know, you look at Bobby Hurley, you look at the, you know, the the Big East. He didn't play in the Big East, but, you know, the the connections to the East Coast and Jersey. Sure. Providence is in Rhode Island. Now, you want to act kind of quick because they've already had... You know, one guy into the transfer portal in, in Jared Bynum, and they had one of their top recruits, a top 100 recruit, just decommit. Uh, Garwe Duell, he was a top 100 recruit for this year, committed to Providence in November, didn't sign a letter of intent, and he announced after Cooley left that he had decommitted uh, from Providence and reopened his recruiting process. So, you know, you want to make sure you, you, you get your coach in, kind of settle the program down, and you're going to have to hit the portal and things like that. But yes, Bobby Hurley name comes up because you know that is a that's a big east job i mean that is a big east job and that's a a, a conference that you, 
you, Bobby Hurley, go back east, very familiar. Father was a legendary coach there. He would probably be able to have a lot of success getting kids to come play there. 24-7 sports. Bobby Hurley, serious candidate for Providence job. Go localprov.com. Bobby Hurley in the mix for Providence job. CBS Sports. Would Bobby Hurley leave ASU to coach against his brother at Providence? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I saw one on The Athletic today, their website, with a list of you know Providence coaching candidates. The second name that was listed was Bobby Hurley. And they wrote, a 23-win season took some of the pressure off in Tempe, but maybe after eight seasons, Hurley uses that as a springboard and a return to the East Coast. Also, Danny Hurley versus Bobby Hurley at least twice a year. Yeah. Yes, please, because his brother Danny is the coach at UConn, so that would be something fun to watch. And, and, and look, I, I, I read this story today, and I, I couldn't help but to think of you and the thing that you've been saying about ASU men's basketball and football since it seems like the day we started doing this show together, which was 12 years ago. And that is, it is your longstanding dream for ASU to have a coach do such a good job that he is a coveted commodity by another program, yes. that he leaves to go take a job with another program because he did such a good job here. Does Bobby Hurley count? I think it would qualify. I thought about this. I knew you had a feeling you'd ask this question. Good enough job here, though? You would have thought that it would have been more success to where... Like, if he leaves, it's kind of like, okay, it's, I mean, it's Providence. I mean, it's not like he's going to take a, like, that, is that a, is it a, is it a, is it an upgraded move? Is it more of a lateral move? I mean, Providence has had a lot of success under Cooley. I mean, but before he got there, they weren't very good, but they made like seven out of nine tournaments, I think, with Cooley, who just took the Georgetown job. Yeah. I mean, I think it qualifies. I mean, Three times to the NCAA tournament, uh, no, a good number of wins. I mean, you'd have to say it. I mean, he left to take a to take a job because somebody else wanted him. I mean, does Providence want Bobby Hurley if he doesn't get ASU to the tournament this year? If they finish with a losing record and they, or they, you know, you beat Arizona, you beat USC, you won the play-in tournament game over Nevada. You got your team up, up against TCU. I mean, you can look at Bobby Hurley and say that he's had success. I would say it qualifies, but I understand what you're saying because my whole point of that was, man, it would be great for somebody to hire ASU, co- ASU coach because there was a lot of success. When I said that, I probably meant a higher level of success That's, than what Bobby's had. Yeah, and, and I, I, I know I was trying to paint you in a corner with that a little bit because I think the amount of success that Bobby has had at ASU is, honest to goodness, the bare bones minimum that you would expect. Sure. Something like this to meet the qualification. I mean, just absolutely the bare bones minimum to be able to say, "Up, oh, you see, there you go." Now, having said all that, I, look, I don't know Bobby Hurley. I, I, we I couldn't even tell you the last time we had him on the show. It's been a while, so I don't want to make it sound like I'm I'm connected with his inner thoughts or anything. I'm not. It does seem like Bobby Hurley's level of comfort might be greater at a place like Providence. Now, he's been here a long time. I mean, it's not like he just got to Tempe a couple years ago. He's been here a decade now, nearly a decade with ASU, so it's probably not fair to say that, but he just feels like an East Coast guy. I, the one thing about Bobby that, that I had forgotten about because he's been here for so long, he's never won a tournament game. He is. I mean, unless you count the first four games as as a tournament win, which some people will, some people won't. In the field of sixty four, he's never won a field of sixty four game as a coach. He's won two play in games as a coach, but his one year. I just looked it up just to be sure. His one year in Buffalo when he took them to the tournament, they lost in the first round. Right. So I, there, I don't. 
he's a name. He's a big name. He's royalty in college basketball still after all these years. We were joking yesterday about my wife not wanting to watch college basketball on Friday night. Hell, even she remembers Bobby Hurley from his college days, right? And she doesn't watch a ton of sports. She's like, Bobby Hurley? I'm like, she's like, that Bobby Hurley? I'm like, yeah, that Bobby Hurley. She didn't know. She didn't know he was the coach of ASU? No. No, she didn't. Really? No, she's been here for eight years. I know. Yeah, she doesn't. She's she's watching HGTV. She's yeah, she's, yeah. It's not really her jam. It's not really her thing. Right. She didn't know, but she knew the name. She knew the name because he. And I think that royalty plays better on the East Coast than it does on the West Coast. It, it seems to. I mean, that's why St. John just better. hired Patino, uh-huh. seventy years old. Uh-huh. It's Rick Patino. It's Rick Patino coached the Knicks. He's royalty. He's he coached at Providence. Louisville, he coached Kentucky, Billy Donovan. Providence, the Celtics. I mean, there's just sort of a, you know, and and I don't know where his family situation is, where his kids are. I'm talking about Bobby now. Is this the right time for him to up and go? I don't know. But I mean, the second that Ray Anderson said that this building's just fine, I would have thought. I'm thinking about leaving. It's Michael Crow. Michael Crow, not Ray Anderson. Michael Crow. <laughs> this building's fine. It's a hundred years old. Oh, you know what? I laugh. That's actually a really good point. I mean, yeah. The, the second you, I'm content with this. Yeah. Michael Crow, Dr. Crow, gave an interview with the state press, the ASU student newspaper, in which he was brought up. Some quotes from Ray Anderson on Bickley and Murata's show a year ago during Newsmakers Week in which Ray Anderson called the situation at Desert Financial Arena dire. He said, this arena is in dire situation. And Dr. Crow's like, there's nothing dire about it. We're fine. It's great. Nothing wrong here. This isn't. This doesn't have anything to do with wins and losses, and you just kind And that's the kind of thing where Bobby might be going, okay, yeah. really, you know, like really now. But I can see Michael Crow like going through the Coliseum in, in Rome and be like, you know what? This is fine. You can have a Super Bowl here. It's fine. <laughs> Looks okay to me as long as it doesn't rain. Like we're okay. I'm out. I'm out. Time yeah. I'm, I'm calling a twenty here, coach. Well, uh, Are you comparing Desert Financial Arena to the Coliseum in Rome? Coliseum's actually in better shape, I think. <laughs> it's easy access in and out. They still use. What? Matter of fact, a lot of architects still use uh, the patterns from the Coliseum on how to get people in and out of uh, stadiums. To this day, it's still used. Yeah, well, it's true. You know, we it's can, it was a, a work of genius. That's why it's so better than that that can of tin in France that people like the can of the tin. tin. The, the whole, the, the, yeah, the the aluminum. The Eiffel Tower. Oh, oh. yeah, like that. Like you you're, can't you're, compare you're, them to. You're, your attempt at being witty was just going right over my head. I didn't yeah, know what this, you were talking about. Yeah, what? That, the that, Eiffel Tower. He yeah, was that, too witty. That metal. <laughs> what? He was too witty. That hunk of metal in Paris that they think some big sight to see. I mean, you can't compare that to the Coliseum, please. <laughs> your Italian bias is not showing oh, at all in this conversation. And the things that they used to, when you find out the things that they used to host in the Coliseum compared to what do they do at the Eiffel Tower? Hey, hey, yeah, Asking for a piece of metal back. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Rob Manfred yeah. talking about the World Series trophy. Uh, yeah, I mean they used to host Russell Crowe and Joaquin Phoenix and and all sorts of stuff in the Coliseum, yeah. right? Isn't that what they did there? Yeah, radiator fights and rock and roll fights. And, see, my joke went right over his head too. Rock and Roll Hall of Famers Billy Joel and Stevie Nax or Nicks are headed to Chase Field. The Nax, the Nax, one night only on December eighth for Billy and Stevie. Tickets go on sale this Friday at ten a.m. You can win a pair of tickets My now Sharona. by visiting the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. Is there a quarterback not in the draft that could impact the Cardinals' plans? And if so, who? That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show.